Hello, hello. Welcome to Tuckered Out with me, Ami Tucker. So guys, I am officially unpacked and kind of settled into the new house in Dallas. Pretty exciting. We actually did a lemonade stand, 80 styles yesterday, and met like half our neighbors. The girls raised like 45 bucks. I was quite proud. I am also currently getting my new audio room ready, which is upstairs in my little attic. I am copying armchair expert styles. And um, until then, I am figuring out which rooms to record in. So please excuse the audio for the next one or two interviews while I am getting everything settled. Thanks for sticking with me. Today, I interview Gotham Kapoor, the co-founder of India Rising. India Rising is the home for brown athletes. It is a media platform designed to develop Indian basketball, showcase next-level talent, and compete in professional tournaments around the world. So if you're wondering if brown men and women can jump, they can, my friends. I hope you guys enjoy my interview with Gotham Kapoor. So went to the website, looked amazing. Obviously, I need to understand more from you. Home for brown athletes is what it said. You guys are a media platform designed to develop Indian basketball. So I want to clear that up, uh, whether it's focused on basketball or athletes all around. And you guys showcase next level talent, compete in tournaments around the world. Okay, so let's start with what does that mean? What does a home for brown athletes mean to you guys? Yeah, no, I mean, that's a great question. What is what is the home for brown athletes in general? Because it's obviously right. a broad term. It could mean a lot of things. For us at India Rising, the home for brown athletes means we're doing, like, I guess, three main pillars. One, we're giving playing opportunities for athletes. Like, we were the first all-brown team to ever play on ESPN. Um, that's an opportunity that, unless we work together as a team and bonded together, like, Nobody could access a platform like that. I think number two is creating culturally relevant role models. Like there's over 10 million plus basketball players in India, and it's the most popular sport for the Indian American and the Indo-Canadian diaspora. But like if you all brown kids are on Instagram all the time, like they're consuming basketball content, but they're not really consuming content of brown people doing things on the court. Like, you can be 15 years old and still never seen a brown person dunk a basketball, which is like a problem. Um, and then the third pillar beyond playing opportunities and content is just celebration. Like, it's really funny, this experience with India Rising, just in the first few months we've done so far, like the Indian Americans and Indo-Canadians and the Indians, like from the subcontinent, like nobody knows each other. Like people may have heard each other through Instagram, but like there's no brotherhood yet. We're trying to create that brotherhood. And there's a lot of um, there's a lot of drama. Like, who's better? Like, are Indian Americans better than Indo Canadians, or like who's actually better at basketball? Like, that's still very much a topic that's up for debate. That um, is super exciting to be a part of. So, I think those are like the three main pillars for like why we call ourselves the home for brown athletes. Right. Um, so, I love that you brought that up. The fact that there's still this, I guess, for lack of a better term, 
competition, right? Who's better? I think I mentioned to you, you know, I've had, this is my 91st interview. And in yeah. the thread, a the theme in a lot of my interviews with South Asians is the fact that we still compete with each other. Oh, right? for sure. And we need to stop, basically. Um, it's this whole idea that there's not enough room for all of us. I think we still have that in us. And so it's interesting that you say that, you see that even in athletes, you know, in a space where it's still so wide open for all of us to to get into and to be together in. Yeah, I mean, I think that I completely agree. First off, I think the one advantage we have with India Rising or sports is that it's so merit based. Like there is definitely competition, but as opposed to music or being a creative or being a filmmaker, like at the end of the day, if you're not performing and if you're not putting the ball in the basket, like, yeah, we can compete, but like, you're not there. <laughs> like, right. Uh, so I, I'm gonna I'm gonna have to ask you at the end who who is better. Sure, sure, sure. sure. <laughs> I, I'm I'm gonna just assume out of stereotypes that there's a lot of Punjabis in Indo Indo Canada team. Is that correct? It's safe to say that Punjabis are pretty damn good at brown basketball. Okay, I, that's I'm well. Okay, Punjabi sound biased, but but yes, you're right. <laughs> okay, I, I I would assume we we can get into that later. So then, correct me if I'm wrong. I know it says home for brown athletes, but you're focusing on basketball. Yeah, so so what that's about is, you know, we're starting with basketball. I think right. similar to, say, overtime, they started in basketball. Now they've started a football league or Nike started off in running and then expanded to other sports. Like these are obviously big market comps for a company that's three months old to say. But, you know, I spent my past six years of my professional career before India Rising working at the NBA. Right. Well, basketball is my forte. It's where I have my connections. With India Rising, it was the most natural fit for us to start off in basketball. But the ultimate vision for this brand is to expand into other sports and right. apply the same recipe of representation, playing opportunities, and community to soccer, football, baseball, etc. Uh, right. It's funny. It's funny you say that too, because like basketball is debatable whether that's the one we've had the most success in. Like, if you wanted a quick path to the pros, like it might be another sport and not basketball for brown people. Why would you say that? I mean, it's funny. I mean, if you take baseball, for example, like the third pick in the MLB draft, Kumar Rocker, like India has never had like a, or Indian origin people have never had like a top five pick in the NBA. We've had that in baseball. Right. Million dollar arm. They made a Disney movie about taking two guys from India, throwing them with the Pittsburgh Pirates. Like there's more talking points in, in other sports you can say. I was going to ask you this kind of last on on this topic, but I'm going to ask you now. Like in a way, and I'm making fun of our own people because I can because I'm Gujarati. <laughs> oh, there we go. Do, yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, sure. Let's be honest, right? Let's 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 totally be blunt. Are Indians built to be athletes? Do you think we have our genes against us? I'm going to in general pause there. I just like want to make sure everyone listening, just like this is the part which you probably want to listen into the most. Like, can brown men jump? Like, right? Are our genes like disposition to playing the pros? Like, right. I am of the belief that a hundred percent, yes. It's not a genes thing. If you really want to call something out, it's probably the diet. Okay. The Indian diet might make life harder, but the genes thing, like, I mean, there are people out there who say that. I'm not a believer because that's so, in my opinion, defeatist. If we're just going to be like, oh, God said that brown people can't be playing on ESPN, like we wouldn't be here right now. And 
Right. We'd be stuck to the stereotypes that like the media has put us in. Um, right. I remember having conversations around like, let's take, for example, I won't name names, but like, let's say there's some like elite Punjabi 14 year old players. Right. They're training every day at a facility. They're getting good. Winter break comes around. You go back, you probably have a carb heavy diet, ghee, Bronte. Sabji. That's not great. That's not great. So at the end of the day, it's about finding the right diet. The Indian diet can definitely produce athletes. It's high in protein. Um, it's just about picking the right things. Um, okay. Is how I'd answer. I like that. that I like fair? the. I like that. I know. I think it's fair. I just think it's it's a story or a narrative that we've told ourselves as a community for a long time, yeah. and uh, succumb to it by saying, "Okay, we're better at other things." Kind of situation, and yeah. so. You know, you're in the industry, so it's you know it's it's interesting to hear your point of view on that relationship with uh, being brown and being an athlete, right? So let's start about let's start let's talk about India Rising and the impetus for starting it. Let me talk talk about the beginnings of it. It's a startup, obviously. Startup, it, it, yep. I think you just mentioned three months yeah. old, very old, very new. So talk about the impetus. It's only been three months, I know, but like maybe some of the biggest hurdles, biggest wins you've seen the past few months um, and the response. Yep. That's a big and good question. Hurdles, wins in our in our short history so far. Um, so with India Rising, why was it created, number one? Um, it was created to make brown people feel like they belong in sport, specifically starting with basketball. Um, as the co-founder, like this stems from a personal experience of um, I grew up in the States, but spent most of my life overseas. Um, I grew up in Australia, Singapore. I went to high school in India. And it wasn't until I started living in India and everyone around me looked like me and I felt like I was the majority where I felt like I belonged in sports. And I felt like that was wrong. Like I should have always felt like I belonged in sports. I was playing basketball since I was in second grade in uh, Singapore. I shouldn't have felt like a pariah. Like right. I get it. We don't have an NBA player, but that doesn't mean I should feel like awkward or shy on the court. So that's like why it was created. In my six years at the NBA, it was really funny where I like run into plenty of brown people at front offices or in the scouting department of NBA teams or, you know, working at the league office. Like, yeah, I'm like one of say five or 10, but like they exist. So that's kind of what made me feel like this is a very um, under untapped, 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 untapped yeah. And we all want it, but very few people have the chops to actually build it. And and there's no like, I guess for lack of a better term, platform or you know somewhere to go for everyone to go and and be a community and collaborate, right? Yeah, exactly. Like we can all like brown sports, but you kind of you need a team to do that. And very few people can like actually have credibility with athletes and put together a team and even know who to reach out to. So right. that was the first thing we did. So we, we created India Rising, but what was India Rising? At, at the beginning, it was a basketball team that was playing in the world's highest stake basketball tournament, which is called the TBT or the basketball tournament. Um, was that the recent tournament that you guys played? Yeah, in, in July. Okay. So the- how, And how did that go? TBT was great. It was an amazing experience. We were the first brown okay. team to ever play on ESPN. 
Unfortunately, we didn't win our game. It's a single elimination tournament. Uh, we actually played against the defending champs from Syracuse University, Bayhams Army. They won a million dollars last year. It's basically a tournament for a million bucks. Very similar to like March Madness, single elimination. Um, Got it. But we'll be back next year and we'll be back and we'll be, we have 12 months now to basically redeem ourselves. Um, and I'm, I'm excited for what's to come. That's awesome. Okay. Anyway, so sorry, back to the initial question. So impetus and then highs and lows yeah yeah no so impetus is like it started off well we created this basketball team uh the highs and lows i think the highs is creating community right like there's been nothing like us that's ever existed in history like right there's a lot of politics here as well um india rising is like no other brown basketball team and what I mean by that is the Indian national team, you might say like, that's the first Brown basketball super team, but technically it's not because the Indian national team doesn't allow players from the diaspora to play for it. Okay. And that's fine. Um, but a lot of FIBA, which is the governing body of basketball countries allow that. So like the Philippines or Australia, like they'll allow like dual citizenship or naturalization obviously to be as competitive as it can be. So we were the first ever Brown basketball team where we had players from both the diaspora and the Indian subcontinent playing together as one. Um, okay. So the wins for us, the a quick win and then a quick loss. So the quick win is like, yeah, community for sure. Uh, right. Quick loss is obviously losing the game, right? Like, cause yeah. at the end of the day, like, yeah, you can create a team, but if you don't win games, kind of like actually sets stereotypes back or it sets the mission back, right? Because- right. If you go out there and like, oh, brown people can play basketball, but you don't win the games or compete at a high level, it's like, oh, well, what's all this, rah, what's all this rah-rah for? Um, right. We need to be competitive. So I think those are the highs and lows. I could go into a longer list, but I'll start. I'll stop there for now. Well, I mean, look, uh, uh, what you're saying, right? Like there must be this whole other level of pressure as there is with many industries of the people of color to win or to do better or to work harder, right. To prove yourselves. That has to be part of it. You know, just because you're out there saying Brown, Brown men can jump. Um, and when they can't, you're like, Oh shit. Like people aren't going to believe us right away. Yeah. Um, it takes so there, there, has, there has to be that underdog feeling. Oh, we're, I mean, we're yeah, total underdogs. I mean, it was funny on the ESPN broadcast. One of the ESPN broadcasters said, you know, this is India rising. It's not India risen. Because if it's India risen, like, we're already out here. Like, this is a multi-year process of developing talent and and eventually, you know, like, beating everybody. Like, that's... Right. So, so that's interesting. So, India rising. So, I guess I, go, I wanted to ask you about the team itself. So, I think you had mentioned it. The team is from everywhere. Not just the U.S., but Canada, India as well. And the U.K. Right. In the UK. So one, how do you pick the team? How do you pick the team? I guess, how did that all come together? Um, are these college students? Are they, who, who are these guys? I, I obviously went to the website, but uh, how did you pick them? And then how do you guys train? Where do you train? What do you practice? Picking the team is really interesting. Cause it's like, you have like a really big universe of athletes. I think like, that's the biggest stereotype, like a lot of, uh, or misconception. Everyone's like, Oh, picking the Brown basketball team. Like, surely you're like struggling to find 12 guys like no there's over 60 plus very competitive pros all around the world playing oh, in places okay. like singapore finland uruguay it's kind of unreal um it's kind of one of our hurdles too like we don't have we're a three-month startup funded by like 
people who are not high net worth individuals. Like we didn't have the funds to put together like a fly in the best players and do a training camp like an NBA team would, for example. Right. So we just had to look at film, like Instagram, YouTube, reach out to players, ask them to send us clips. Um, we had a selection committee of coaches, brown coaches from Canada, the US and India. Um, and we basically were like, it's like picking a fantasy draft team for like fantasy football season, you know? Like okay. it's basically going through LinkedIn profiles of players and figuring out what do we need um, to be competitive. So like that's what the selection okay. process looked like. It was not only the first time a lot of us met these people in person. Like I, through my work, like of the 12 guys on the roster, like I knew say 10 in person, like I've met them. But like right. for the players themselves, like when they got together in Toronto for training camp, we trained in Toronto for a week before taking the bus down across the border to Syracuse to play. It was their first time playing together. So like we had less than seven days to create like unified team chemistry, which is pretty, pretty tough. Right. Um, but yeah, that's how the team was, I guess, assembled. Like we like to call ourselves like the Brown okay. Avengers of basketball. Like we're picking out the best people from all over the world, fun- raising funds to cover their flights, at least the inbound ones. And right. um, we did a training camp in Toronto where we stayed at Airbnbs. One of the rooms had like four bunk beds. Like it was pretty bootstrapped. Uh, yeah. Honestly, the real MVPs are our players for putting up for putting up with the conditions we set up for them. Uh, we yeah. drove like 50 minutes to different gyms all over Toronto, got our like three to four hour workouts in each day and then like got back to chill and build team chemistry. Uh, so we did a week long training camp in Toronto and then we drove down to Syracuse for the actual games. Okay. So how was the chemistry with everyone? Was it like awkward? At fr- I mean, it's weird, right? Like you're meeting these guys for the first time. Everyone's brown, right? It's funny because like, Okay, I guess two things. One is language. Second is egos. Some of our guys don't speak English. Some of them only speak English. Got it. Diaspora and subcontinent. So that's one. Right. Like, that's interesting. Yeah. Talk to me about a sports team where that happens. Like if you've got a national team, everyone's speaking the same language. Uh, NBA, G League, otherwise, like everyone's speaking the same language. Um, or you got, that's an interesting hurdle. Yeah. yeah. Or you got a translator, which we don't have. So I think language is one. Second is uh, just like, personalities right like one thing that's interesting about our team is if you're a brown baller and you're playing on the brown basketball team that's playing on espn and india rising like you might think you're starting or the assumption is like oh this is the the brown basketball team like surely i'm like the guy right and you haven't played with anyone else before so you don't know what the bars are like you don't know how you stack up against the competition which is a hard position for not only coaches, but players and everyone to be involved with. So I think those are like the two hurdles team chemistry wise, which is why we needed that training camp. Like we played two exhibition games at Humber College, which is the college in, in Canada, um, in Toronto, just to figure out like, you know, who's the starting lineup? Like who do we put the ball, where do we put the ball in like crunch time, stuff like that. Right. Well, which, which I like what you said, because I mean, at the end of the day, yeah. you can sit, you can talk all the talk, but just if, if that ball doesn't go in the hoop, no one gives a shit. Yeah, it's just, it's pretty easy to figure out, all right, this is what right. we're going to do. <laughs> right. And, and I, I know I asked you a three part question, but how has the response been the past few months? Response has been awesome. I mean, community, media, all that community stuff. Community coming behind us, like Instagram DMs and people reaching out, being like, I want to play for India Rising in the future, like a 13 year old kid in Long Island. Aww. Like, that's why we're doing what we're doing. Um, feedback from the tournament organizers, ESPN's TBT saying, like, we 
we love what you did. You had the coolest jerseys in the entire 64 team tournament. Like, you know, you're an important part of this, this, uh, this entity, um, from the players themselves. Like I didn't get a chance to build this kind of fraternity or community with these brotherhood of Brown ballers. Like I want to be back next year. Yeah. Uh, it's been good. It's been pretty, it's almost been as hectic post TBT as it was pre, um, which is a good thing because we're already figuring out like what's next for us. Well, that's the next question. What is next? What's the, what, if you are sitting down with potential investors or, or so, you know, people that want to support you, what would you say is next? Yeah. I'd, I'd say what's next is frankly, we are so much more than just a basketball team. Like we're a media platform, like we're an investable business. Like we have revenue streams. We um, are building them out right now, but for those investor meetings, like we're here to make you money in a big way because our target audience is 25% of the world's population is brown and incredibly underserved in this category of sports. Right. Incredibly underserved. Right. And no better people than someone with the sports experiences that our founding team has. Um, I think tangibly the things you can expect from us is we've launched our own content hub. So like at India Rising, you know, our Instagram, our YouTube, our podcast. Um, we're building a documentary. Uh, we've been filming it for the past several months to basically get brown people, brown athletes on Netflix. Like there's The Last Dance, there's Drive to Survive, there should be India Rising. Right. Um, oh, there will be. That's that's next. That's, Throw it out yeah, there, man. That's Manifest. Yeah, manifest that. Um, Man- manifest, if I'm really yeah. manifesting that, I'm saying I'm open to all OTT streaming providers. I should say that. Nice. <laughs> yeah, you have to. I have to say that. Yeah. So camps and clinics, like you're a brown kid playing basketball in Fremont. That's amazing. But like, have you ever been to a basketball camp where your instructor is also someone that has a turban like you do? Like these things matter. Uh, yeah. I wish I had that when I was nine. We definitely, I definitely did not see any of that growing up. Yeah. So. so media platform, documentary, camps and clinics, um, and a few more things that I can't really share yet, but hope to pretty soon. Cool. Um, and I got to ask, what about female athletes? What about Indian women? Yeah, this is something we've been talking about too. We plan to early next year host a tournament um, okay. comprised of both male athletes, female athletes, and celebrities all mixed okay. together. Um, because it's funny, like we spoke with Harsimran Kaur literally the other day, who's from the NBA Women's Academy program, the first Indian born female athlete to get a D1 scholarship in the States, playing in San Diego right now, a sophomore, having a great season. And she asked the same question. She's like, I love seeing India rising, but like, what's up? What's up? Yeah. What, what about the yeah. women's side? So, yeah. Yeah. We definitely have plans. We're working on them. And similar to what I said on the boys' side, like, let me break that misconception, like, right now. It's very right. easy to field a very competitive team of brown women. It is not something like, oh, shit, we only got four? Like, do we need to get ringers? Like, no, there's 12 brown females competitive, ready to play against anybody, like, right now. Um, it's just right. a case of a platform like us bringing everyone together. Love it. Okay, just want to make sure I have two daughters. Yeah. So future, future stars. Well, right now they're they're in tennis, and so okay, we'll, maybe uh, the, what, oh, whatever it is, but they. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, I was I was a tennis player growing up, so that that was yeah. that was my sport. But whatever it is, well, I was gonna I, say I, a quick good. aside is like brown women have had an incredible like track record in tennis, um, yeah. better than frankly most other sports. Uh, 
Yeah, I know that was, uh, I tried out for UT, but didn't quite make that team. But five years from now, 10 years from now, what, what, what do you want India Rising to be? What's, what's the ultimate goal? Yeah. The ultimate- or, or are, is it ever evolving, I guess? Yeah, it's, it's ever evolving right now because we're so young. But I'd say right. like the ultimate vision is in a sentence to be like the cultural hub for South Asians more broadly. Awesome. Um, that can take form in sports, music, entertainment, like production, um, a talent agency, you know, like these are things our community has needed for a while. And to your point on like, I don't want to say consolidation because there's like a lot of great players out there. Um, it's just a case of like making it easy for the end user. Like if I'm a Brown athlete, I can go to one spot or I can go to 30 spots, but just like, it should be very clear that I'm going to get something out of this. Right. Um, and, and that there is a spot to go to. Yeah. Like we're not just like lighting up smoke, you know, for no reason. Like we have connections. We can like plug you in with people. We can do what we did this past month. Like you're a Brown athlete. We put you on ESPN. Like very few athletes in general, forget if you're Brown or not, like get that opportunity in their entire career. Right. Um, so yeah, all about creating opportunities and, um, helping these pro athletes get really big contract deals and make a ton of money, like in the future as a result, brand yeah. deals, etc. Well, we got to keep in touch because right. I'm trying to do that with the podcast. So there you go. Yeah. Definitely touch. All right, Gotham. So I'm going to talk a little bit about you because the podcast is of course about you, our co-founder kind of, I'm always interested in parents, immigration stories and how your parents got here. And then also your experience growing up Indian American, because the one, one phrase that I hate still, and maybe this is more my generation, is um, ABCD. Oh, yeah. It, it, it pisses me off. It's, I think it's the dumbest shit ever because I've never been confused. I've always been very, very clear on loving being Indian American. So one, what was your parents' immigration story? And then growing up, did you? what was your relationship with being Indian American? Did you love it? Did you hate it? Was it always just kind of okay? Yeah, so I'll answer the last part first. I mean, my relationship growing up as an Indian American. So like I said, born in the States, grew up overseas, Australia, Singapore, and India. I was Indian American until I like started going to high school in India. Okay. When I wanted to double down on my Indian Americanness and being someone from the diaspora because I felt that was important. My relationship with being Indian prior to living in India was always okay. It was never bad. Like it was always okay. Like... I didn't like grow up in a part of town or like a school where it was like uncool to be Indian or like they laugh, people laugh at your right. food as a kid and all that stuff. Like I didn't personally okay. go through that stuff, but I know people okay. do. Yeah. Uh, a lot of us do. Yeah. A lot, yeah. That's like definitely a thing. Right. I was lucky to not have to go through that. What was my like formative moment on just like brownness was when I went to college and I got introduced to like dance team culture. Hmm. Nice. That thing just like what was your poison? What was your name? I mean, I don't even. Well, that's what I want to kind of address. Like, there was no, there was no poison. Like, I thought that all of a sudden, when you get to college, at least in the states, it's like you're not Indian if you don't do a dance team. And I was like, all right, we're not doing this. Like, this can't be the only way to show your brownness or like validate your brownness. It was a big deal. Yeah. Well, my generation for sure. I'm surprised that was still happening when you were in college. Yeah. And like, 
I sound so bitter. I'm not like I have my best friends are like part of like the dance team scene. I'm not saying anything like that. What I am saying is I did not appreciate. Like I'm Indian American, but I went, came from high school in India. So the assumption is like you go to international kid orientation or like, you know, the assumption is like, what is the assumption? The assumption is like you come straight from India and like you're like a deer in the headlines. So that was the first right. thing I like tried to stop. I was like, look, Indian people know who Drake is. So like we can stop doing that right now. I remember playing pickup basketball and I did a Euro step. I am like not a pro player. I am not an elite player. I just love basketball. But I did like a Euro step, nice layup. Everyone's like, oh, what? Like cricket only in India? Like it's just like, no, man. Like media is really screwing us. <laughs> and it's, it's, it's powerful. Good. Media is powerful. Yeah, it's all good. Like it's just like that's when I got to college is when I was like, okay, like I need to redefine the PR or do my bit of like what it means to be Indian because right. it's 2016 and like it's still so backwards. And here's what I didn't like. It was people who were not Indian getting those kind of inbounds and then people who were from the diaspora being like, oh, like you're not doing a dance team. Like are you whitewashed? And it's like, I'm certainly not whitewashed. It's just that if you ask any of my friends in New Delhi, none of us are doing Bhangra. Like, we're good. We're hanging. Like, we don't yeah, need to do this. That's, it's so true, my friend. That's like, literally what we all of. I was in a dance team because partly because I think we felt like that was our connection. Here's the thing. I probably is the connection. Like, if I'm growing up in Texas or wherever, like, if I want right. to feel close and my parents want to introduce me to other Indian kids. I'm probably going to go to like Sunday school, learn Hindi. I'm going to do a yep. dance team, Bharatanatyam, whatever you want to do. Or like you'll go to the Monday or like, you know, religious stuff. So like all of it, check, check, yeah, check. And that's great. But I think right. what I didn't love where it was like, you got to pick one of these three things, like Hindu student council, dance team, or like, you're not with us. And I was just like, this needs right. this needs some some kind of re mixing up. Yeah, right, 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 right. That's that's kind of to answer your question. That's when it like kind of clicked for me. Got it. You said you came here later. So you, did your parents immigrate here at the same time, or where did you come solo? Well, I was I was born here. So my parents You're are from always here uh, from India. They immigrated here for work many years ago, okay. and I was born here. They met in New York at a party. Okay. Um, nice. They got married at an Indian restaurant. They spent time in Queens and Manhattan. Um, so some similarities, some unique things. Um, right. That is unique. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and then went back to India for high school. So kind of like reverse. So when you went back to India, I know you're Australian Singapore, but was it because your parents yeah, were work, back? Or that was, yeah. Okay. That must have been a cultural shock as well. No? Yeah, it definitely is. Because like I spoke better Mandarin and Spanish than Hindi like when I moved to India, um, because I learned that in Singapore and like, like right. Australia. Uh, oh, yeah, I can't, I can't decipher your um, accent right now. I oh, mean, really? it sounds pretty American, American, right? Or no? <laughs> At this point, yeah. I mean, there might be a word here and there that you're saying that's not American, yeah. but it's not Indian either. It's kind of, ah. <laughs> I believe that. I've, I mean, heard, I've heard that before, and it, it used to be even more like fragmented, like, Right, right. When I came to college from India, like I was definitely split for sure. Just I just noticing because I listen to audio all yeah. the time. And then I know you mentioned growing up, you played sport, you love, love sports. And so as a child growing up, you know, obviously you ended up going, working at the NBA and stuff like that. But 
what was your point of view growing up with being Indian and being an athlete? What what was your parents' point of view? Was it something that wasn't part of your house? Was it part yeah. of your household? Was it weird? Because it's not part of a lot of Indian people's households. For sure. It's uh I had very liberal, awesome, supportive parents in any kind of creative pursuits I wanted to do. Like my mom's an artist. So like it was already, you know, we're doing unique stuff. Love it. Um right. So my introduction to basketball was really not actually from playing. It was video games. Like I was super into video games in Singapore. Everyone's landing, playing like Dota, League of Legends, like Counter-Strike, whatever. Halo. Halo 2 was obviously really big at the time. Right. Someone gave me my first ever sports video game, which was NBA Live 2004. And I was <laughs> like, okay, sweet. Um, okay. I got to playing that. And that's how I got into basketball, like playing basketball video games. Um, then I wanted to Interesting. do basketball camp. I wanted to do the school team, which I did. Um, that's kind of how it started for me. Singapore also just similar to India. Like people wouldn't assume that it has like a really good basketball culture. Like there's lots of courts all over, outdoors. I guess you wouldn't think that, right? Like, yeah. I mean, I'm naive to it, so I'm not the best person to ask, but you just wouldn't assume anywhere in Asia has a great basketball cult. I mean, I guess nowadays, but back that back 20 years ago, yeah. you wouldn't think. Yeah, it's just like, um, whether it's the cultural influence of the N1 mixtape or whatever, I mean, for me, I gravitated towards basketball because like, as an only kid, it was like one of the sports I could play on my own. Like, because right. it's both a team and an individual sport. Like you can go to a hoop with a ball and like get shots up and practice and play. Like you cannot do right. that in, and they can't do that in baseball, football, etc. Who are you gonna pass to? Um, so like, those are the reasons how I gravitated towards it. Parents were always very supportive. It became a career out of luck, you know, like I was in college studying international relations and economics and Chinese, like that's what I studied. Um, I thought I was going to go to like the state department or something, be a diplomat, but like basketball was my number one passion. I applied to the MBA and got lucky and was able to facilitate a like six year career there. Yeah. So talk to me about that. How was your MBA career or six years there i'm assuming you're not there no not anymore yeah no india rising uh okay. time now um okay but i'm sure you learned a shitload india rising only exists because of what i learned at the mba like right. exactly like i mean that's just like an mba in like right uh, sports management 101 learning both the basketball and the business side um i worked in our strategy group so i was focused on sports technology partnerships um and that's where I kind of spent most of my time. Um, yep. I also worked on growing the game in India and Africa, like the NBA India Academy, NBA India Game, the Basketball Africa League, just like international expansion of the NBA. So that's kind of like the different hats I wore. So then I know we mentioned this at the beginning. Were you, so were you in India then ever working at the NBA? I was or like, said, or I mean, no, I, I went on, I, I worked in India as an NBA employee, yes, but like I never okay. lived in the, in Bombay. Got it. Yeah, yeah. Got it. And then also, you are, are you still part of Apex, the Asian Professional Exchange, NBA's Asian yeah. Professional Exchange? Yeah. 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 Okay. And and tell me a little bit about that. That's interesting. I've never heard of it. Yeah. So NBA Apex is basically one of several ERGs or employee resource groups at the NBA. Um, okay. I was part of the founding team for NBA Apex, which is the AAPI or the Asian Diversity Group. Okay. It was created... After like the Black Employee Research Group, the Hispanic one, the Pride one, because, and we can talk about this on this podcast, because that's obviously the focus, like Asians don't do a great job of organizing, not of our own fault. It's because it's literally 
whatever, 30 plus percentage of the world. And right. there's very, there's a lot of similarities and dissimilarities amongst Asian people. So like, are brown people Asian? Like, that's like a coin flip. Some people say yes, some people say no. Like, it's, it's tricky. Right. Um, depends who you ask. So, yep. so that's another discussion yeah. for sure. So yeah. Apex is an awesome organization, basically founded to elevate AAPIs in uh, the sports and entertainment industry. So we did a lot of cool things. I think the thing I'm probably most excited about is we created the first ever Asians in Sports Symposium. So it was basically oh, cool. a symposium designed to help people break into the sports industry, Asian specifically. And we hosted it in collaboration with the MLB and the NFL, MLS at one point. And it's probably the first time ever, like all these major four North American sports leagues ever got together and were like, yeah, let's do something for Asians, right? Um, right. But was it, who was the, I'm assuming he's the first Asian NBA basketball player that played for the Rockets. Am I correct on this? So... Is that wrong? Am I told- I'm, I'm from Houston, by the way. It's, so this it is, is unfortunately right. wrong. But okay. It's the answer that 99% of the world will say, which is Yao Ming was the first Asian MVP. Yeah. Okay. I'm wrong. Okay, Yao Ming is like an incredible and NBA Asian all-star. Yes. Like, but he wasn't the first. Like there were like, I want to say eight to 10 Asian players before him dating back to like How- 1947. How come we never heard of them? Storytelling just comes down to content. Our is wanting to tell the story, but I'll also say like their sh- careers are not as historic or storied as Yao's. I mean, Yao's okay. seven, six, none of the others are that tall. Also, Yao was like a walking bucket, like double doubles. Like, and he's an NBA all-star. The other ones aren't all-stars, right? Okay. So, there's okay. a reason why we think Yao's the first because Yao's the best. Got it. He played for the Rockets, correct? The Rock- I, is yeah, that right? Yeah. Okay. Yeah, yeah, I'm, I'm like, I, I grew up in Houston. Yeah, he's your pretty guy. Sure. He's the Rockets. Yeah, I'm pretty sure he's my guy. Yeah, yeah. Been... Okay, so you've lived in India, Singapore, Australia, U.S. What? Where is home? What do you, What do you consider home? Home is like home is India at the end of the day. Like, okay, I'm American, but like when people look at me, they say you're from India. So like, let's just make it easy. Home's India. Home's India. Dream collaboration, whether that's through India Rising, your own personals, whatever projects, who would you ultimately love to work with? That's a good question, which I'm going to take a few seconds to think because there's a lot of ways and I could take If you manifest it, because that's what I do with my guests, it, right? I'm like, you never know. Right? Who I really want to work with through India Rising is Gotham Chopra um, from Religion of Sports. I think two reasons. One, okay, we share the same first name, and that's just fun, and it's always good to meet another Gotham. Two right. is, you know, we're trying to make this sports documentary about brown athletes first, which hasn't really right. been done. Uh, he's a co-founder of Religion of Sports with, like, Tom Brady. Like, that's a pretty incredible production house, and they are right. producing incredible sports documentaries. How cool would it be for the two Gothams to get together to like build this first ever Brown sports documentary. I think that would be the partnership I'd like to manifest or hopefully do one day in the future. Four people that, well, four, two, whatever, whatever the number is that you would sit sit down and like to have dinner with. Four people that I'd like to sit down and have dinner with. Dead or alive. Yeah. All right. Let's make it easy. Basketball first. So LeBron James, that would be huge. 
To make okay. it interesting, let's do Kobe Bryant a second, and then I'll save those third and fourth for non-basketball. Um, but we've got so f- few opportunities of seeing LeBron and Kobe together that I'm using this dinner to bring it back. Totally. Um, third is Reed Hastings from Netflix. Obviously, okay. there's a lot right now. Um, yeah. So I'd just be curious to see how how competitive the streaming space is getting and what are the best yeah. ways to kind of like navigate it. It's uh, it's especially as they were the first movers. Right. So those are my three. And then fourth, let's go outside of sports and entertainment and see who else we can do. Um, so you can say Dada. You can say Dada G too. Whatever I could. Want. I'll say something kind of close maybe. Dalip Singh Sand. He okay. was the first Indian American politician in U.S. Congress. Huh. From okay. California, maybe 1950s or 1960s. I forget. Um, I was like interning in Capitol Hill and like I saw this portrait of the, this brown person and I was like, okay, who is this? <laughs> like, what is this? And it turns out like he may have actually been the first Asian politician, actually Indian American in the US. I would have to Google yeah, this. I have to double check, but um, okay. Dalip Singh Sand, yeah, like from Punjab, grew up uh, in California. I don't know what Dalip and Kobe are ever going to talk about. I think that would be. I think they would totally talk. Yeah, I think that would be an amazing conversation. The only thing they have in common is California, but like whatever. You know, that's, that's all you need. <laughs> I'm sure that both of them would. I I love the the group setting. I think that'd be awesome. This is an so. interesting dinner. <laughs> well, last question at the end of this career of yours. That's which is in the next 50 years, I'm sure. But what would you like to be known for? I want to be known for creating a pathway to develop Indian Indian origin athletes that are playing on your TV. That's multiple NBA players of Indian descent, MLB players, NHL, NFL, um, because it is so frustrating to go through month, year, day by day as a brown person loving sports and not seeing brown athletes on the field that are like all-stars. Right. It's not just, oh, they made it. Like, they are the best player on there. That is a lofty goal. Like, money doesn't solve that problem. Career lifetimes are very short. There's only, like, say, 5,000 people in history that have played in some of these leagues. But right. at the end of the day, it's because of our skin pigment. Like, you just want to see people that look like you right. on TV doing the things you love to do. And we still don't have that. So in 70 years, if we still don't have that, like... That's a problem. And I I have to meet a guy that fixes that. Awesome. I love it. Great answer. Fantastic chat with Gotham. If you guys want to follow India Rising, you can check them out on all socials. I believe Instagram is India Rising G. Their website is indiarising.co, I believe. Uh, I will put it on my notes, I promise. As always, you can follow me at tucker.podcast, tucker.withami.com. And uh, I am off to start setting up my new studio. Woohoo! Thank you guys for listening. This is Tuckered Out.